Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Night Nation, I'm Trace Rolko. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Four big names returning to UCF football in 2022. Grading the quarterbacks with former Knight Nick Patty and men's hoops, ooh, floundering. We're going to discuss that with BJ Taylor. Let's welcome in the Sons of UCF. Happy New Year, Adam and Mike. Trace, Mike, Happy New Year. I uh, Look, I feel bad for Mike. Um, it was bad enough that he lost Hescock uh, for a while there. <laughs> we had a booby and, and now we don't anymore, Mike. I, I feel bad for you, buddy. <laughs> I'm just happy to be back here on the show. The dudes on the mall did not match your guys' last offer, so you're stuck with me. Here I am. I told I you, thought you went to the Sons of UCLA, and then you flirted <laughs> with the Sons of Oklahoma. I thought that was it. Trace, I told you that six-pack of Heineken would seal the deal. I told you. I knew. Does this mean that on the pod next week we do not get uh, a top five boobies list? That's the only time I'm going to say this name now that this guy is not on this team. So, Mike, anything? Uh, do we get that list? I didn't. I heard that this guy decommitted before I heard that he committed. That was all. <laughs> That's how quick the it was. I, this portal thing is like yeah. this. Yeah, the first news I saw was Booby is no longer committed. I didn't even know who he was. And then I had to go find out that he had committed an hour earlier. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. All right, let's get into some news. Uh, of course, news that Isaiah Bowser back, but today, bing, 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 we get Sam Jackson and Anthony Montalvo, the offensive lineman return, long snapper Alex Ward. I think Gus Malzahn is happy with these returnees. Yeah, I mean, Bowser, I think, is the big name there. I mean, we had a pretty stacked running back room coming back, plus adding Jordan McDonald. But Bowser, I mean, we all saw the offense, how much that was different with him this year. And Sam Jackson on the line. I mean, we were kind of in flux. We were losing a few guys on the line with Tatum and Schneider. Uh, so having Sam back, obviously, he's versatile, can play a lot of positions. Uh, so I think that that helps. And look, when you got when when you got to be able to get the ball back to the punter, you need someone good. Alex Ward was the runner-up for the Patrick Manley Award, Mike. I know this year, maybe it's his year. I don't know. <laughs> fingers crossed. Uh, so you bring him back four veteran guys. Montalvo brings depth in that D-line. Uh, so I think these are four nice wins for Gus and that staff. Clearly the reason Ward is coming back is to get that award for himself. Uh, Bowser is the big news here. Obviously, we're a completely different offense when Bowser's out there than when he wasn't out there. He brings so much to the table, not just running game, but picking up blocks and just the, the way that Keen leaned on him all season and Malzahn did. And, of course, Sam Jackson, Montalvo. You can never have enough big guys up front, offense and defense, senior leaders now on this team, guys that are coming back for with a purpose next year. I love all these returners. Of course, this week we're talking about the quarterbacks. Next week, the running backs. Mike, there's your homework, running backs. So we'll have more time to talk about Isaiah Bowser. But I think the question that comes with him is, how many games can he play in? You know the difference that he made in the games that he was in, but he didn't play in all of them. And uh, when he was not in, you could see the impact in the offense. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough question, Trace, because his injuries this year, I mean, if they were like soft tissue injuries, right, if they were hamstrings, groin, stuff like that, then you might say train differently, maybe be smarter. I mean, he got whacked in the knee in Louisville. I mean, that that's tough to go against. And, you know, he got his ankle rolled up, I think, in one of the later games. 
it's sometimes that's just luck trace. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a big kid. He's a strong kid. I imagine he'll go back to the drawing board, have another um, off season with the strength and conditioning staff. I know he came relatively later, I think. Um, so I don't know how much time he got before season to kind of build up his body. So maybe that, that full off season, maybe trying some new training stuff. Um, seems like Tom Brady's trainer has one less client now, so maybe he's available. Um, so I, I suspect he'll probably put some time in the weight room, but I would be concerned if these were soft tissue things, but and again, you get a helmet to the knee. I mean, that's going to hurt anybody's day. It's easy to say, just don't give him the ball 35 times a game and he'll stay healthy. <laughs> but that's how he, that's his game is wearing people down and getting all those carries. So I don't know if that's the answer. The key is we're going to have more depth behind them. RJ Harvey's going to be back next year. Jordan McDonald coming in next year. Those are bigger backs, not just smaller guys like Mark Anthony Richards and Johnny Richardson. So I think we'll have the depth of the two different kinds of running backs. You know, during COVID, I've begun to dislike that term, the new normal, and I'm already disliking the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. But uh, in the taketh away, uh, a name that we won't have to stumble over much longer, wide receiver Titus Mokia Atamalala. And uh, of course, as we talked about, Tatum Bethune makes it official to FSU. I think obviously Bethune, the bigger of the two, but you lose some depth at wide receiver, uh, a group that, you know, there were struggles with this year. Yeah, Tatum Bethune, 108 tackles last year. That's going to be tough to replace. I know we'll talk about some uh, other names here in a second. You know, it's tough to replace 108 tackles. Uh, obviously, he was you know, probably arguably the best defensive player on the team last season. Uh, that's that's certainly a tough blow. Uh, obviously, you know, he has his reasons for leaving. I don't know that we all fully understand it, but it's probably not our place to to fully understand that stuff. Titus is is it's interesting. I mean, he had a he had a couple of flashes. He had a good touchdown against Boise. He had a big catch in the Gasparilla Bowl to to help uh, seal a drive for UCF. Uh, you thought his role would have expanded last year. He obviously got some some playing time this year over some more highly touted guys, Deontay Marks, Jordan Johnson, names that you'd know from bigger schools. So you would have thought he would have had playing time. You know, sounds like he wants to get closer to home. Uh, at least what he said in his uh, his Instagram post. We'll see if Norman, Oklahoma qualifies as close to uh, to Hawaii. But um, you know, overall, <laughs> closer. You know, I guess it, I'll take the Mike Tomlin approach again. You know, we we want uh, we don't want hostages. We want volunteers. And if these guys want to be elsewhere and they're happier elsewhere, I mean, all we can do is wish them luck. And, you know, tomorrow we'll have another boom in the portal. So, I mean, that's just, that's unfortunately the cycle we're going to be on right now. It wasn't about playing time with Titus. He got plenty of that in his freshman year, able to contribute early on. Um, it's just the Hawaii thing, I guess, right? And he came here when we is didn't it? have a head coach. <laughs> you know, he committed to UCF. He basically committed to Dylan Gabriel is what it was. Now Gabriel's out and he, he went with him. Now, keep an eye on Polo. Polo ah, I'm not even going to be able to say his name. Ah, the offensive lineman. Holy <laughs> keep an eye on that kid. We got to keep on, hold on to him because that's a big part of the offensive line. All right. Those additions include sophomore linebacker KD McDaniel, Kentucky, uh, senior defensive back Kobe Perry, Austin P. He was the Ohio Valley Conference Defensive Player of the Year, and freshman linebacker Terrence Lewis out of Maryland. Uh, boom, boom, boom from Gus Malzahn this week. Yeah, Lewis is the name that gets a lot of headlines. A, a five-star uh, recruit out of high school to Maryland. Did not play last season with ACL and shoulder surgeries. He's now a three-star recruit, though, so I guess he gets dinged for not stepping on the field last year. Either way, <laughs> the kid has a load of talent. He was the number one linebacker in last year's class. And Mike said this on the podcast. If we got the number one linebacker in this year's class, we would be losing our minds. We would be you know, nitro fire emojis everywhere on social media if we got the number one <laughs> linebacker. So a lot to like about this kid. Katie McDaniel, I mean, I looked at the stats. He had uh, 17 tackles in his three years at, at Kentucky. So don't know that we really know what we get out of him. And Kobe, pair to your point, um, as much as I may have blasphemed against the Ohio Valley Conference, he was the uh, he was an all-American. Did you, did I, you I blaspheme? A little bit. Mike called me out for blaspheming the Ohio Valley Conference. I apologize to both of their fans. But, no, in, in all seriousness, he was a first-team All-American there. So he's got some skill. He brings some depth to the secondary. Um, so these are, these are nice names, but these are unproven. And, unfortunately, we have to see them in, in the black and gold to see what they have. But you can at least be excited about their productivity and, and their potential uh, from what you've seen so far. Yeah, we know nothing about these guys. Just like we knew nothing about the guys that came in the year before. Some of them we still haven't seen. Right. The cornerback where that came from Missouri last year didn't play all last year. It took us a long time to see Devon Wilson get on the field. These guys hopefully will be able to step in as soon as they get to campus. But who the heck knows? 
You know, there's so much uh, excitement about the portal, but I think back to the Kirk Spearaw years in basketball when he brought over a lot of junior college transfers and fans said, these guys were here for one year, two years, you got to develop kids. And then yeah, I fast forward to Gus Malzahn, proud that he inked 14 high school kids. That's how you really build your program. If we're being honest, these uh, portal additions fill holes, right? That's the free agency aspect of it. And that tells you where UCF is lacking. So there's going to be more booms. Uh, I don't know how many more people are going to leave the portal, but you wonder how many of these have been conversations with players that they're just not going to fit into Gus Malzahn's uh, scheme on offense and, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. So for these open spots, there's just going to be more of this. It does make things exciting in January when it wouldn't normally have been. Another well, football Trace, game. You, yeah. Right, Trace, you, you wonder what comes first though. Is it that we are after a guy mm -hmm. in a portal and the current guy says, wait a minute, I play that position. Or are these positions of need that we're coming into trying to get? I think that's other another unintended, you know, consequence of this. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm a linebacker, I'm a receiver, and I'm like, wait, Gus is linked to who? Wait, they're talking to this guy. You know, is, is that going to then start some some churn, if you will, from a team standpoint? So I think there's so much we're going to learn, and so much we're going to continue to evolve with this transfer portal stuff, um, and it's just going to be a, a really interesting scenario. Buckle up, I suppose, because I don't I don't know that's going to slow down anytime soon. Yeah. Not going to slow down. Uh, still another game, January 15th, the Hula Bowl, and the uh, folks at NFL Draft Diamonds are offering us uh, 10 pair of tickets. Uh, so, Adam, what do you want to do? Are we, are we doing five-star reviews on Sons of UCF shows? Uh, what will be the giveaway? What do we want to do? Uh, and I, I have these tickets, and I can give yeah. them out over the next week. Yeah, this time I really wish we had planned this out in advance. So, so here's, here's this, what, we're just going to talk idea. about it right now. We're going like, to spitball this live. We're going to spitball this live. Here's what you need to do. Um, uh, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube page and uh, send us a screenshot of both of those things. First 10 people to send screenshots to us. You're the winners. Okay. It's that simple. Sending it to you, Following sending you. it to me. Where would we send it? Send it to whoever you want. Me, Trace, Mike, we'll figure it out. We're all small. Okay. We're, we're loosely smart enough to figure it out, the three of us. So subscribe to our YouTube channel, send us a picture, follow us on Twitter, send us a picture. And uh, first 10 we get in there, uh, maybe... Maybe we'll hold a pair for somebody on the show tonight, Trace. Maybe somebody, uh, the funniest comment, maybe we can award that to somebody. So, uh, Mario, oh, if you're, if you're yeah, listening, Mario, Robert, Mario already out there, yeah. um, you know, maybe we'll let Nick Patty pick somebody. Who knows? I mean, we've got we've got a ton of tickets. Everybody's got tickets to the Little Bowl, apparently. So, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Send us a picture of that. And uh, you may join us at the Hula Bowl this, uh, this next Saturday. Well, you know, Mackenzie's going to be there and uh, good to have him back in the bounce house. Cole Schneider as well. And talking with the folks at NFL Draft Diamonds, by the way, Big Cat Bryant, who was initially named to this roster, dinged up, not going to play in this game. So you won't see him on Saturday, the 15th at noon in the bounce house, but expect to see Cole Schneider and Mackenzie Milton. This week, the big question I asked on my Twitter at Sign Pez, grade the 2021 quarterbacks in that mix. We had Mikey Keene, we had Dylan Gabriel, we had Joey Gatewood, Parker Navarro. A split between good and fair. What about you guys? Uh, where are you? Good, fair? I think nine wins and that victory in the Gasparilla Bowl, I'm going to go with good. I think fair is fair because I would say that we didn't win any of those games because of quarterback play, but we didn't lose some of those games because of quarterback play. So I think fair is fair. I mean, I think if you look at Mikey's stats as a true freshman, what, 17 touchdowns, six INTs. I think he won his last five games without throwing an interception. So you saw some growth there. So I think you could say it's trending into that good area, but I don't think we won any games this year because of quarterback play. We just didn't lose any games because of it. So I'm going to, I'm going to land in the fair bucket on this one. I voted good. Just given the circumstances, I mean, coming in, we had Dylan Gabriel played two, three games and he was done. And we went to a true freshman who did a pretty good job. The other guys, I don't even consider really having played quarterback. I mean, Gatewood came in and, that wasn't very productive when he came in to run. Navarro did well in the goal line, and um, that, 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 that's about it. That, that's all the guys that, have, that played. So um, coming into next year with Tommy Castellanos and maybe another transfer, this quarterback room is going to look a lot different. Well, let's ask the same question to former UCF quarterback Nick Patty, who rejoins us on the Sons of UCF Live. Nick, hello, and uh, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, fellas. Thanks for having me back. All right, what's your grade? Excellent, good, fair, poor. If you take a look back at a team that went nine and four and, and the changes from Dylan Gabriel to Mikey Keene and as dismissed just a moment ago by Mike, Joey Gatewood, and Parker <laughs> Navarro. Yeah, um, 
certainly not excellent, you know, but I, I don't mean to precursor this by, by saying it was terrible, right? I mean, I think given the circumstance, what they were put in, especially Mikey, you know, as a freshman to come in, be thrown in that, you know, situation and a couple big environments, right, with a lot of expectation, um, you know, I, I think good. I think I go with good and, and trending, right? I think uh, if you see kind of his progression throughout the year, um, yeah, it was a good point, right? We didn't – he didn't necessarily – you know, break the internet with how his, he was playing, but he didn't lose as many games, right? I think as a freshman, you can see he's got some tools to build off of that I think, um, you know, I think you can argue he could be a long-term guy, but I, I you know, I think Gus has something up his sleeve, I would expect, um, you know, for either somebody coming in or, um, you know, getting creative with it. But I think it's all you can ask for, right? If from a guy get thrust into that situation where, he really didn't expect, you know, to play even I think when, uh, you know, Dylan gets hurt, it's almost like a shock. You don't know what's going on. You don't know how long you'll be the guy. And then all of a sudden you are. So um, that's all we can ask for, right, to go beat Florida and Gasparilla Bowl. It's, it's all we can ask for from the quarterback position. So uh, definitely trending. All right, Nick, let's say Mikey Keene calls you tomorrow and says, Nick, I want this job next year. I'm gonna, I want to work for it. What do I need to do to, to keep this job? And what do I need to improve on? What advice would you give him? Yeah, I think, um, I think that's tricky, right? Because you never know kind of who's going to come out of nowhere, uh, right? And you never know who tomorrow is going to be on Twitter saying they're coming to UCF. So um, I think what he can he can control what he can control. That would be my advice to him, right? So look where you're lacking this year. Look where your deficiencies were. Maybe that um, is working on your athleticism a little bit, being able to create some more offense with your feet. Uh, maybe that's putting on a little bit of, you know, weight for your stature, for him to uh, be able to take take those hits throughout a season, right? We've seen that, what that can do. Um, and, you know, I, I just think, I think the athleticism thing is big for him, right? You can't become a world beater with speed overnight. You can't, um, you know, you are what you are. But I think he could work on some of his footwork and, and, and being able to create. I think he can watch film of guys with his similar, you know, build and athleticism that he can, you know, take some notes from. There's really creative ways um, to do this thing other than, uh, you know, changing your skill set, right? There is ways to work things into your game, whether that's finding running lanes, whether that's looking at down distance and knowing when certain guys choose to use their feet and don't. Um, you know, I think that's a big thing that he can add to his game that wasn't necessarily there this year, uh, you know, the creating of offense. However, you know, that goes for a trade-off because he didn't make a lot of huge mistakes that lost those games and he didn't throw a lot of huge interceptions, you know, and so it's six, one, half dozen, the other, but that would be my big take is, is look at some guys that know how to create that don't exactly have the skills that, you know, the, the extremely athletic guys do and, and take from their game. Nick, what about what about his his throwing motion? He has a pretty elongated windup. Is is that something that's fixable? And if so, what is how, how do you fix that? What, what does he have to do to maybe sort of shorten that motion up? Yeah, that's tough, right? Because it's he, he's a smaller stature guy. So I think one of the things that you are weary of with quarterbacks is making wholesale changes to their motion because you know you generate power throughout your entire body as a quarterback, and and some guy you do it through your feet, through your arm. Right. And so a guy like Mikey is is literally using all of his body to create his arm strength. And if you change those mechanics and, and don't get me wrong, you certainly can change those mechanics. However, um, if the accuracy is there and the arm strength is there, you, you really want to be careful because, um, you know, I think if you make wholesale changes like that, it could that that's when it leads to um, cutting down your arm strength a little bit. And so. You know, I think it's something to look at. I don't know that, um, you know, our passing game is one that you have to have a, a second baseman release, right? It's a lot of play action. It's a lot of, you know, things to where you don't necessarily have to be the, the quickest guy, you know, flicking the ball for the double play type of thing, right? So, um, you know, I think it's a slippery slope, but it can certainly be worked on. I'm, I'm not a huge advocate for for changing people's throwing motions because I think it's it's like the golf swing, right? You kind of swing how you swing. You know how to use the biomechanics of your body. And um, however, you know, we had – when I played, we had Pete DeNovo there, and that was a big thing for him for almost a two-year stretch where he really pushed to change his throwing motion because he had sort of an elbow-in throwing motion. And so that was a big stretch for him, but it's very hard to do that because 
you sort of have that muscle memory in your body, right? And so it's a slippery slope, but it's it's certainly something I'm sure they're looking at. I think it's clear we're going to go after a quarterback in the transfer portal. What kind of guy do you think we need to go after? Do you think it's a we need a veteran to come in and step up, step up for one year and guide this team, or somebody we can develop over the next few years and be the guy in the future? I'd certainly like to see someone be there, you know, for for a little bit of time, right? I think if you look at if you look at Gus's resume, he's done well with both, right? He's done well with guys that, that have been there for a while. He's done well with guys that have come in for one year and the Jared Stidhams of the world. And, you know, we remember how that turned out for him, but at least they had a successful year, right? The Cam Newton situation. Um, but I think for program-wise, you know, with, with our ever-changing landscape of, of college football, you guys talked about it earlier with the portal, and that's not going anywhere. It's only going to get worse. I'd love to see a guy come in and just kind of solidify that spot. Um, of all the revolving doors of the other positions, I'd love to see them get a kid that's going to come be our guy for the foreseeable future and then be able to develop some guys within the system moving forward. With, with uh, Chip Lindsay coming in, I think it's a perfect time for them to find their guy that's going to be their long-term solution, them to get comfortable, settled in as, as, co- as a staff, um, you know, and start building the pieces around that guy. So, Because I think that's another aspect to it too, right? Whoever your trigger man is, you are recruiting around – their strengths and their weaknesses right and so i think it's good to find a guy that's long term I'm, I'm always more of an advocate for for finding your guy for years to come because you're, you're building your entire program around this guy a year ago we were talking about dylan gabriel going into 2021 and that lasted a couple of games before it gave way to true freshman mikey Keene. so what is a reasonable expectation for a january enrollee and thomas castellanos yeah i think it needs to be tampered i, I don't think what we do offensively is the most difficult thing in the world to pick up. Um, you know, I think the biggest challenge for him is going to be learning defensive schemes, learning what he's looking at, learning how to break down defenses. Um, so that's going to be his big challenge. Um, you know, but I think we get a little more of a dual threat with him. Right. And so it's going to create a couple more things that I don't think Gus was really comfortable doing this year with the quarterback. And so, you know, like I said, I, I really hope that it's it's a it's a we find a, our guy and it's not something that we're we're sprinkling in a guy here and there. I think Parker Navarro did a pretty good job when he was in in some goal line situations this year, but other than that, I, I think it was really it was a stretch to find a gimmick. It was a stretch to find some creation, and so you know I think it's definitely doable. We don't have the most complicated offense in the world. They don't have a million formations. They don't do a lot of smoke and mirrors with shifts and motions and. And so from that perspective, um, you know, our personnel groups are pretty minimal. And so from that perspective, I don't think it's it's the, the tallest task in the world for a January enrollee. Um, however, it, it needs to be a fast track for him to learn defenses and learn how to break down schemes. Uh, because, I mean, I think ultimately that's our biggest Achilles heel on the offensive side of the ball uh, is, is adapting our offensive scheme to what we're seeing on the other side. And so um, it'll help to have a kid that um, is pulling the trigger that understands that as well as a coach. Nick, before I ask my question, uh, football fan 28 wants it, uh, you to tell Tony that Auburn sucks. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Maybe you Man, do. Uh, so brother, I'll pass that. My brother. <laughs> I'll pass that message on to you. My brother um, Tony is so, a huge Auburn fan. So that's a little context to that. I certainly will. I have a million times. But I'll do it again. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned this name earlier, Chip Lindsay coming in now as quarterback coach, obviously for the guys, Mikey and Parker and Joey, that was there. How big a deal is this? How big a change is it to, to get used to Chip Lindsay versus obviously GJ Kenny living? Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a big change, right? I think, um, you know, in years past, Gus has been through some some play callers, and I don't think that he's going to relinquish a whole lot of um, control, if you will. What they do is what they do. Um, you know, and I think what's good about Chip coming in and, and just look at our quarterback room as is right now with the experience that they have, and they all have a little bit under their belt with, with the current staff and the current play caller. With Chip having been with Gus before and them having implemented and, and them having been in this situation, I, I think it'll be a good situation for Chip to come in and – no, he's not reinventing the wheel. He's not bringing his system in to a defensive-minded guy. It, it's all already in place. So I don't expect it to change drastically. Uh, there's a million advantage to him being there. Don't get me wrong, right? There's going to be – I'm really excited about it because I think a fresh play caller, a fresh mind um, with, with the, the weapons that we can create is going to be huge. But from a quarterback perspective, 
I think it's a good situation because he knows that everything's in place. Gus's stuff is his stuff, and, and they've been down this road before. So I think it's a huge opportunity, too, for the quarterbacks, especially Mikey, to where, you know, obviously he wasn't recruited by Chip Lindsey, right? It's not his guy, and there may be a guy that comes in that we don't see right now. However, with that same token, him being so young and impressionable, a new fresh face might be the, the perfect situation for him, right? They might catch fire and that may be his guy and, and it may be really good. So um, it's just as much of a positive opportunity as, as a negative. A lot of people think when a new guy comes in, they want to find, you know, their guy. And that very well may be true, but the opposite can happen as well. So I'm excited to see sort of what that development looks like. What other positions do you think we need to fill in? What are you most concerned about going into next season? We still have the portal. We still have another signing day. Where do you want to see us fill in this roster? I, I'm just a huge – I mean, I, I hesitate to start anywhere but up front. You know, I think that is the one place that we can separate ourselves from, you know, not only the American, but continue to, to build our program for the Big 12, right? I think up front on both sides of the ball, um, finding those edge guys that are just disruptors, uh, you know, and second-level linebackers. So I just think – Creating, you know, building our program in that respect to where up front offensive line, we've got some some absolute dudes that, that can move the ball at will running the ball. And because uh, we all know, you know, how much of an emphasis we're going to put on that. I think running back depth is a huge thing that we can create. Um, you know, I think with Bowser, that's obviously he's a bruiser, right? But we just can't rely on that as much as we did last year. We can't rely on one guy with as much as we you know, lean on running the ball. So I think running back is going to be huge. Obviously, putting putting position players and, and weapons at receivers always huge. But I'd start up front, offense, defense, line, and then I'd go, you know, linebackers and running backs. I think you just said something there, not only putting the team in position to win and excel in 2022, but building ahead to the Big 12. That is going to be a primary focus for Gus Malzahn and his staff. Nick, thanks so much for stopping by the Sons of UCF Live. And again, a happy new year. Let's regroup uh, around spring camp and we can talk maybe who uh, Coach Malzahn brought in to give some competition in that quarterback room, because I think we're all expecting another name there. No doubt. Absolutely, fellas. I look forward to it. Nick, it was a great year. Nick, is that it? A new Peloton I see there in the back? Is that a Christmas gift? <laughs> it, it is. It is. I'm on the train. You're getting on that thing every morning? Or I I'm got hooked. one too, dude. I'll see you I'm on hooked. the yeah, Let's get Let's get a ride. That'd be great. <laughs> Iron Appreciate Mike it, fellas. That's me. All right. That's sweet. Nice. All right. Tony Auburn sucks. That's right. Remember, Tony. <laughs> All right, Nick, thank you very much. Uh, some good context there on quarterbacks. I still think we've got a name that we haven't talked about yet. It hasn't come in. A lot of quarterbacks have found new schools. Latest transfer portal numbers indicate about 31% of kids have landed at a new school. So there's still a lot of kids, more than 1,000 in that portal. Who does Gus Malzahn have his eye on? Next week, we'll talk more about the running backs. A big shot in the arm with Isaiah Bowser. But as you mentioned, Mike, R.J. Harvey in the mix. Uh, he could be a beast back there. His, uh, you know, 2021 cut short by injury. So we will talk more about running backs. Uh, but we do turn the page to men's basketball. Mike, do you have a, a, a hot seat next to you uh, ready for <laughs> Coach Dawkins? Or or have you, is it somewhere else in your studio waiting for Coach Lovelady? I don't know what you do with it. Do you roll it in? What, what happens with that after the Temple loss? Uh, Knights blow a lead at one point, 11 points. They lose 66-62. That's back-to-back, -back, a 12-point loss in Dallas at SMU. So what was just a week ago, a victory over Michigan, almost 10,000 there at the arena, back-to-back -back losses now, stumbling a bit. Yeah, I, I don't like putting people on the hot seat until it's deserved <laughs> at the end of the year. This is until. still early, but it's warming up. I got to tell you, this week is, has not been a good week for Johnny and the rest of the team. Who's got the more stringent hot seat rules? You or J.P. Gilbert? Uh, his is always available, I think, for some coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, I don't want to get rid of anybody ever. But, I mean, there but, is going to come a time where we're going to have to ask these questions. We, I expected this team to be a tournament team. It's not trending that way after this. You didn't say year. which tournament. There are other no, tournaments. The big tournament. No, I, no, there's only one tournament. It's not the NIT and the CBI and all those. That's the T and NIT is tournament. <laughs> Okay. Nobody cares about those. Adam, what went wrong in this one? You were watching, and uh, your Twitter comments uh, turned to despair there with the remaining seconds of that game. Yeah, I, I think, look, we're all going to point to the end of the game. We're all going to say, Ty Freeman, don't get wrapped up like that. How, how can you do that? And sure, that's a mental gaffe, and, and 
it's going to happen. But my suspicion is that Ty Freeman is never going to let that happen again. He's going to learn from that. Mm-hmm. I assume he was thought he was going to get fouled and wants to protect the ball. Wasn't aware of the possession arrow and he lost that. But I am more concerned about the fact we give two wide open looks on the other end for threes that got Temple back in this game and got them the lead. Right. So we can focus on Ty Freeman and the the jump ball. And yes, that was that was not a smart play. But on the defensive side, we give up a lot of open looks late. And I think that's more concerning our rotations on defense. I mean, the Temple guys were wide open and got great looks, great shots. And yeah, you got to be hot to hit them. And but that's going to happen when you play a, a conference team. They're going to make shots at times. So we can we can bag on Ty Freeman all we want. But to me, the defensive end, particularly down the stretch, just seemed like the guys didn't have that energy. They weren't focused. And, you know, I don't know if they weren't prepared or what the situation was, but that's more concerning to me than, than any of the mental errors that you saw throughout the game. Well, after the game, I uh, asked guard Darius Perry, what's going on with this team? A week ago, they're flying high. Now back-to-back losses. Um, I, I really couldn't tell you. I, I just feel like we have to come out a little better. You know, every game, regardless when I lost, we have to come out really well. Um, team has come, come out with leads on us. We may come out with a lead and team walk us down. I think we need to um, really fix that part, just coming out with the same passion and energy that, uh, you know, we, we have every day. We all love the game. We got to show that every time we step onto the floor. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Kostak advisor has, you know, he has a point that Dubai language in the second half. I mean, I don't want to say that they were disinterested, but it looked like at times that, you know, the, you know, the to borrow hypolism, the juice just wasn't there. Um, and I think that's interesting. One of the things that I'd, I'd love to, you know, ask BJ Taylor in a few minutes about is for the Michigan game, it's easy to get up for the big opponents, easy to get up for Michigan, Oklahoma, Florida State. But, you know, when you're playing Temple, when you're playing Tulsa, you know, how do you find that motivation? It just looked like last night the team was kind of in a lull. And, and maybe just thought, hey, we'll shoot our way out of this thing. We got, we're, we're more talented. And then he did. And then they kind of lost, you know, lost interest again. So I'm, I'm curious what, what BJ might say about that. But it just looked like they, they lost interest for periods of time. And, and I think that came back to haunt them. The killer instinct. They didn't have it last night. You got to put that team away. You're up at home. Put them away. Don't make it a close game. This was going to be an ugly win. And, and I was, ha- was going to be happy with it. You know, I thought we were going to escape. We didn't play well. We're up four with 20 seconds to go. And then it turns into an ugly, bad loss. That, there are losses and there are bad losses. This was a bad one last night. Well, and that's the question I asked head coach Johnny Dawkins. You know, the resume got a boost with a victory over Michigan, but clearly took a hit. Uh, you know, I hadn't had a lot of time to think about it, but it's not a good loss for us. I mean, because, you know, our, every loss is a bad loss for us at this time of year. You want to win as many games as you can. And uh, so I don't think it's good, but we have to figure out a way to bounce back from it. If we use it to pot in the right way, I think we can get better from it, to be quite frank. And then we'll move forward from there. How did the Knights move forward from there? Let's ask a man who may have some insights. B.J. Taylor, former guard on this UCF men's basketball team. B.J., Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all three of you guys. Hope you guys are doing well. Before we talk about whether the sky is falling for men's basketball, how's skills training going? Are you staying busy teaching folks? Yep, no, it's going well. Um, helping a lot of kids, a lot of youth. Um, so I've been really happy with the results. And most importantly, the, the, the kids have been really excited about training. And um, I'm really happy to be giving back. All right, Coach Dawkins may need you. Uh, to give some training uh, on some skills. Uh, A big win over Michigan and now back-to-back losses. Adam just mentioned uh, players were up for that game, uh, nearly a packed house. A lot of Michigan fans in there, but it was a great environment. And it was a dead Wednesday night there at the arena. You got to create your own energy in situations like this, don't you? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think going off after going off of that Michigan game, it was obviously a very emotional win for the team. Um, and then going into SMU and then the Temple game, um, you could tell that they were still feeling the emotions and all the energy and enthusiasm that went into that packed house. Um, and I think that kind of showed in some of the play that happened, um, kind of a, a little bit of a, a letting down your guard after a big win like that, which is which, which happens to a lot of teams. Um, but obviously, you know, for their goals to be a tournament team and want to want to achieve what they want to achieve this season, you know, obviously moving forward, you know, got to correct a lot of those issues um, that went wrong. And, you know, I have the utmost confidence that they will. And, and obviously everybody involved because they care a lot about it. Um, so I think moving forward, they, they just got to recapture that energy, that team effort, the tenacity and the, and the resiliency to win that they had in that uh, Michigan game. 
BJ, you've obviously been in the locker room with him. What's what's Coach Dawkins going to be like for practices this next week? Is he, you know, is he going to get back to fundamentals? Uh, is he someone who's going to kind of run the guys and, and sort of give them some quote unquote punishment? What's his style and demeanor, particularly after a couple of tough losses like this? Um, I mean, the best one of the best things about Coach is that he usually stays in the middle. He's usually the same. Um, I would say after losses like this, um, similar to, to a lot of coaches, obviously they're going to be more intense. They're going to be much more um, uh, passionate and aggressive towards correcting things as, as they should be. And, and a lot of it also comes down to the leadership on the team. You know, I, I know when I played, it was often a call to action that the leaders of the team and the captains of the team, myself, Aubrey Dawkins while he was there, Chad Brown. In a time like this, it was very important for, you know, the team leadership to get together as players and really discuss what's going wrong, what are the issues um, out there on the floor. Because as you move into conference play, the coaches, there's only so much that that can be done because you know what the other team is going to do. You know what they're going to run. We know as players what's expected of us. So a lot of it comes down to, you know, player-led leadership, and I know that's a common phrase thrown around in sports, um, but it's very important to successful teams because without it, then you're relying on the coaches to always, you know, kind of get on the guys, and you're always relying on the coaches to, to hold others accountable. So it's it's really a, it's a total team effort. It's the players coming together, looking each other in the eyes, holding each other accountable for the things that they've done this year to beat a team like Michigan and say, moving forward, guys, that's what we're good. That's going to be our standard of how we're going to play. This is what we're going to do as a team when we go out and compete. Um, so it, it's really a combination of obviously coaches. The coaching staff has their role in terms of, you know, they're going to correct the issues that they see out there on the floor from a schematic standpoint. But from a, a energy, effort and passion standpoint, a lot of that, you know, it comes internally from the players, um, you know, sort of correcting those things. That sequence at the end of the game last night, Ty and Freeman, they come in and get a jump ball on him. What should he have done differently? Should he have dribbled? Should he have passed it? Should he have gotten out of there, called timeout? I mean, what were his options? Yeah, I mean, first off, I think it was a, a probably a unique situation for him being a young player in that position. Um, I, I don't it, – it's kind of one of those plays that you don't really ever practice. And, you know, as coaches – you know, coaches always want to practice everything and they want to make sure their players know what to do in every situation. And he was kind of in a unique situation there for a, a young player, I think. Um, I think obviously, I think he he probably would have wished he was a little more dynamic in terms of catching the ball, you know, dribbling away from half court. You never want to get caught up near half court like he did. And, and you know, you never want to make yourself too easy to guard as a, as a player. So I think, you know, looking back on it and reflecting on it, and like I said, he's young, so he'll learn and he'll grow from this experience. You know, this this sh shouldn't be something that happens again. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, he probably is going to, you know, look back at the film and say, you know, I could have been more dynamic. I could have caught the ball and I could have dribbled out of the out of danger, you know, when I caught it and, and definitely don't, you know, want to let guys tie you up in that situation when the other team has the arrow. So, you know, if, if we have the arrow and we're going to keep possession, it's a little different because we know we're going to get the ball back even in a tie-up situation. Um, but I think moving forward for him, you know, he'll definitely, you know, make sure that in a situation like that where we don't have the arrow and they're in a position where time's running off and they're going to have to foul, I'm sure he'll be, you know, a little more dynamic in terms of his decision-making. BJ, is that something coaches uh, tell you guys before you break the huddle? Like, you know, how many timeouts you have, who has the arrow? Is that something that's kind of repeated as you guys are walking away from a huddle? A hundred percent. It's something that's always repeated. It's always discussed. We're definitely going to tell the coaches are going to tell us. And then as you see players, you know, doing those little huddles on the floor and walking towards center court or whatever, before we take the ball out, we're saying, hey, listen, they've got the arrow. We don't have any timeouts for the guy taking the ball out. So don't call a timeout. Um, once we get the ball in bounds, let's be strong with it. Let's 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 make sure, number one, we don't turn it over. Number two, if we can, we want to run as much time off and we don't want a, a tie-up situation or anything like that because obviously they get the ball. It's their arrow. It's it's a close game like that. And now, you know, that momentum shifts to their side. Once, once you get – whenever a team gets the arrow, that's a total momentum shifter and a tie-up situation or anything like that, especially in college ball because – as you guys know, in the league, in the NBA, you know, you jump center for it. Um, but in college, you know, it's 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 essentially a turnover when it, when a tie-up situation happens. If your team is controlling the ball and then 
the other team takes possession, you know, it essentially works out like a turnover when in, you know, on the flip side, if we have the ball tie up situation, it's our arrow. We keep the ball. It's not a turnover, you know, same play, depending on the arrow, though, it can be a turnover. It can't. So I think, you know, coaches definitely always, you know, harp on that when you break out of a timeout and, and players, you know, that's something that we discuss. Um, but obviously the game is moving fast. It's, it's, it's very, you know, things are going very quick, like I said, especially for him as a young player. Um, and, and the game obviously didn't come down to his whole play. There was a lot of things that could have been corrected. Um, but it's definitely something that coaches harp on to answer your question. Let's say you know nothing about the outcome of the game at SMU, but I give you one statistic that UCF had five assists. Mm. What would you conclude? Would it surprise you that it was a 12-point loss? Uh, I, well, first, if you told me there were, were five assists, I, I wouldn't expect a lot of baskets to be made. Um, that's a lot of isolation that would have to be going on for a team to finish with five assists like we did. And I think that was a major key, you know, in, in that game in terms of the difference on on, on both sides of the ball. Um, we we didn't move the ball well enough. And, and this team in general, this UCF team that we have this year, it, it's a team that has to focus on playing together, ball movement, cutting, creating turnovers, getting out in transition and running doing all those type of things to create easy baskets, to create momentum. Because as you saw in the Michigan game, once this team gets momentum going and we can get the ball rolling, it kind of creates a snowball effect for our team um, because we're, we're not a team that is like, okay, we're going to give the ball to this one guy and we're going to get out the way and we're going to feed the post all night and we're going to play everything through him. We, you know, we have a, we're best when we play a balanced game and to play a balanced game typically means ball movement. You're going to get a lot of assists. If you're, you know, if you kind of think back to like 2012, 2013, San Antonio Spurs teams with the way they moved the ball, obviously they had great players like Duncan and stuff, but this team is very similar in, okay, we're going to move the ball, move the ball, we get Darren Green a nice open look. We move the ball, we move the ball. Now Brandon Mayhan's in rhythm, he gets open shots. We move the ball up, now the lane is open for Darius Perry, Darius Johnson to make plays. We get lob dunks for Mbake and C.J. Walker at the rim. And, I mean, that's when this team is really at its best. And they've shown that to, to everybody this year in the Michigan game. Obviously, the last two games have been a tough stretch. But I think those are the things that they're really going to focus on um, heading into to Memphis next week and USF, you know, at USF after that. You mentioned Darius Johnson, obviously a true freshman point guard, getting a lot of minutes, essentially the de facto backup point guard. What have you seen in his game so far as, as you've watched him? Well, first off, Darius is, is a competitor. Uh, that's what you got to love about him. Number one, more than anything, is that Darius is always going to compete. He brings a certain level of intensity to the game, and he brings a physicality to the game that, that's very important. You know, as, as a guard out there, um, especially when I played, you know, you always want to make the other team feel you, especially when you're a leader and you're the point guard of the team. You want to make them feel you. And what I mean by feel you is you want to make the other team kind of wear out. You know, you want to make them uncomfortable. You know, it's kind of it's kind of similar to a boxer. You know, like you come out, you throw the jab first two, three rounds, three, four rounds, you're throwing a jab. The other guy's throwing you his best stuff, but it's not really phasing you. Come seven, come round seven, round eight, round nine, that guy's getting worn down, right? Why? Because he's been feeling you the whole fight, you know? And I think that's something that, that DJ, Darius Johnson, really brings to the game when he's out there in terms of impact is the other guards always feel him because he's a driver, he's physical, he gets in the paint. And I think, you know, moving forward, because he's another guy, he's only a freshman who's going to continue to kind of elevate his game the more comfortable he gets, um, going against high-level guards and, and seeing what college basketball really has to offer because you compete against guys like Kendrick David from SMU, who's one of the best point guards in the country. And for DJ, Darius Johnson to see that type of competition up close and personal and go against it is only going to help him improve. So, you know, I really like what I, I've seen from Darius. I think he's going to continue to improve. He's an extremely hard worker. And, and most, most of all, he's a competitor. And, and you know, you got to love that. The last time you were on here, we were talking about Isaiah Adams, and maybe it was too early to declare that it was a slump. But now looking at the numbers a few games in, his minutes are down eight minutes per game. His points are down five minutes from, uh, five points from last year. What is going on with him? What do you want to see from him the rest of the year to make that improvement? I mean, similar to what I told you guys last time, I mean, 
I know he, he had a really strong freshman year and, and the kid still has a ton of potential in terms of what he can be as a player and the things that he can do. I think, you know, moving forward, he's a guy who, again, with his length at 6'6", he's long, he can really play defense well if he, you know, he puts his mind to it and really dedicates himself to that end of the floor because, again, for him, the defense is going to be able to turn into offense, right? And when you're a guy who's struggling, you want to get easy buckets. You know, you want to get layups. You want to get dunks. You don't want to have to create a bunch of half-court opportunities um, that he's had to – that he's kind of getting himself into because – you know, half-court ball is a little bit trickier to operate because the defense is set. Everybody's going to load towards the ball, especially in college basketball. You're going to see a lot of, you know, strong defensive schemes in the half-court. So I think for him, biggest things are, you know, get out in transition, create havoc on defense, and, and those are simple things, easy things that he can do to kind of get his game going. What's the final word from you, BJ, at this point in the season? Sky falling, the season is over, or are you preaching patience that this team can still rally and give this a good run to March? Well, the sky is it's definitely not falling. Um, I know it's been a tough couple losses here, um, and, and obviously nobody, you know, nobody's happy with the, the current situation with two losses, but the sky is definitely not falling. It's, it's still a lot of basketball left to play for the team and in this conference i think the biggest thing that that you have moving forward is yes you, you have a houston team in the conference who's pretty good and i mean they're obviously a top 15 team but they've lost some of their key players to injuries and hopefully those guys get healthy um you, you know we have memphis coming in on wednesday and memphis was you know preseason hyped to be a, a very you know special team this year and things for them have kind of gone sideways so i think the biggest thing is that this team has to you know learn from the mistakes from the last two games and really move forward and create momentum going into march because again you never know what's going to happen heading into march especially in a league like this where it isn't just clear cut you know i've been in this league where there were years where SMU was far and away the best team in our league or uh, Wichita was the best team in our league or there were years where us and Houston, you know, were, were, were the top teams and things like that. But this year, it's a lot of parity in this league. Um, and, and obviously, in contrast to the CFP, at the end of the year in basketball, there's always going to be a, a conference tournament, right? So th there's no need to feel like the sky is falling. You know, I think everybody needs to keep faith in this team, continue to support them, continue to, 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 you know, be there for them because that, that stuff really goes a long way as a player. Um, and, and moving forward towards March, I think if we can see the improvement, you know, we will, will feel very comfortable heading into February, heading into March basketball. Because like I said, in this conference this year, um, I don't think anybody knows who's going to win the American tournament this year outright. Cause there isn't any team, there isn't any one team that you're like, Oh man, there's no way that you can beat them. You know, last year there was Houston who was incredible. That's why they made a Final Four run. But this year it's it's not the same. So they just need to make the improvements and, and correct the, you know, sort of the errors and, and things that are going wrong. And, you know, I still believe in them and have the faith that they'll get this thing turned around. All right. I feel better now. Okay. I, I wasn't I like so. I wasn't like Mike, but I was a little nervous. I saw that debacle against yeah. Temple, but you put my mind at ease now on this. I'm trying, guys. Listen, I'm trying. I'm trying to, you know, bring a little positive energy. All right? I know it's been a tough, a tough couple games. All right, Mike, come on. You got to generate good energy here. Come on. Look, we lost a couple that we shouldn't have. I, I see. I have to win a couple that we're not supposed to, right? I see the look in Mike's eyes. Mike yeah. is the body language is not good, Mike. Mike is on the Mike is on the ledge right now. I'm trying to bring, I'm trying to bring him back in. It's all right, Mike. It's all right. Look, we beat Memphis, and I'm feeling better. Okay, okay, okay. Well, we got Memphis, and then we got USF on the road. So, you know, we can create a little momentum there, and, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. All right, Mike, you know, just, just come down from that, from that cliff, baby. Come down from that cliff. BJ, what's the best way folks can get in touch with you if they want to know how to connect with you about skills training? Yeah, so you can go to my Twitter page, BJ Taylor underscore one, and uh, the link, my email, and my phone number is all um, pinned to the top of my Twitter page. Um, anything like that. So, or if anybody has a, a child or a young athlete that they want me to just do a phone call with or talk to, I can do that as well. I just, I really want to help and anything I can do. So anything. Mike, did you hear that? If you need a friend, just reach out yeah, to BJ. Mike, Mike, you can call me. Just, Mike, okay. At any time. 
<laughs> call and you can vent to me after games. Okay. I needed you last night, man. I needed BJ, you. BJ, that could be a new BJ, service. Be very careful. Call be BJ very... Taylor after games. That could be, you know, like 99 cents a minute, careful. you know. There you go. There was a while that I was talking to Sean. So, I mean, I can help you too, Mike. I can <laughs> whatever you guys need. All right, BJ Taylor, let's get this win against Memphis, and we yep. hope to see you back here on the Sons of UCF Live again. Happy New Year to you. All right, guys. Happy New Year to you as well. Have a good one. Thanks, BJ. All right. Uh, just remember that, Mike. You just give BJ. He's going to regret that. He's going to regret yeah, telling Mike that was to call a big him mistake on his part. Trust me, <laughs> he's going to regret that. BJ's like, who is this drunk guy swearing into my phone? <laughs> you know what I thought was interesting, though, Trace? If you're listening to themes, he said two things to me that sounded like he was kind of pointing to team leadership, right? Initially about Coach Dawkins, he kind of deflected that and said, that's kind of on the players, right? And then mm-hmm. when we talked about the timeout and the, and the possession arrow, same thing, leaders as players, we, we gather the team together. I wonder if, if he senses or feels that maybe a leadership void in the team. Someone mm-hmm. from the team has to step in and sort of take some of that and, and maybe have one of those you know dreaded players-only meetings or something because the two key points he made there were really about team leadership and, and the two areas that obviously potentially we have opportunities to improve in. Well, the super seniors came back, so who amongst them perhaps is going to be the leaders uh, in that conversation? Talked about the defense not going very well as we go around the kingdom. Women's basketball are not having any problem with defense. They win at Tulane Wednesday, 54-47. Masini Kaba became just the 20th uh, UCF Knight to hit the 1,000-point club. Knights are only giving up 48 points a game. That's second only to Georgia Tech at 45. Quite a statistic. They really clamped down on defense. They hadn't played since December 18th, you know, because of COVID cancellations, Princeton and their opener in the AAC against Temple. So up next, ECU Saturday, and then uh, home versus Houston Tuesday. So women uh, continue to to be doing well. Uh, You know, we're not just a football school or or basketball school, Mike, a tennis school. Men ranked 11th, women ranked 12th. It's nice to see both programs preseason, not just top 25, top 15, knocking on the door of top 10. They've got a lot of game, uh, matches with uh, top 25, top 10 programs. So they really built themselves a, a you know two good programs out at the USTA. Uh, let's uh, go to the mailbag. Reminder that you have a chance to win a pair of Hula Bowl tickets. What did we say you got to do? You got to do 17 steps. Was that what yeah. did we say? Well, was subscribe, exactly? to our YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube page. If you're already a subscriber, you're a step ahead. Just send us a picture of your subscription. And uh, and we'll you know, if we get the first ten or whatever, I guess you're the winners. That's all. I see. I've gotten some have come into my inbox, so I'll have to sort through those and I'll message you. Uh, and I would that. say this really quickly: the last thing Mike needs is a BJ and speed dial. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the last thing he needs. Uh, I think the key word there is again. But anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, we've got another audio daily double, as I like to call it. Brian with the walk and talk. I want you as you watch this, Mike. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, uh, you at home watching. Uh, watch Robert, two letters, two words, uh, with his question to us as we open up the mailbag. Hey, Night Nation, two letters, two words here. My question this week for the Sons of UCF has to do with the NIL. If we're going to compete with the big boys in terms of these collectives and other things that are being used to pay players to play, are we a little bit behind the eight ball because we don't have a lot of old money? What can we do to kind of bridge that gap? What do you think? I'd consider that a swaying talk. I mean, he went about two feet there, okay? I'm getting ripped on uh, Twitter for being on escalators, being in airports. At Robert's a walking sway. Yeah, but you. you don't have his sweater. He's got a nice yeah. sweater there. Oh, nice little UCF decked out room as well. What do you think about that? I think he's hit it, right? Uh, you know, since the announcement of the Big 12, there are these $25,000 announcements, and that's fine, and it's five years at $5,000. But where is the big Charlie Batch million dollar club money? You know, you heard about that trying to lure players, uh, uh, what, to Eastern Michigan, right? Uh, or the University of Texas and their funds. Where is this big money? This is where the youngest program, the future of college football, the young Twitter fan base and all that, uh, that's not helping out with the NIL money. I tried yeah, I last that- night. I played Powerball. Did not yeah. work out for me. So, uh mm. try again. What's, what about, where are we at on, by the way, uh, paper and lace? Um, 
bounce house stadium. <laughs> I know the business is going well. Um, <laughs> Paperwork's been submitted. That's all I can tell you, Trace. Paperwork is in. We're waiting on the phone call. I think for the NIL stuff, I know there's a couple of different organizations out there that are trying to start some things up from a UCF standpoint. Obviously, you know, these things take time and they take, you know, they take some energy and effort to put together. Obviously, the money has to be there. I still think the problem we're going to have and, and UCF is going to face this problem is, and you're kind of alluding to it, Trace, is obviously we're, we're not a school that, that gets a, at least a lot of public donations that we're seeing, right? And if you have $1,000, let's just say, that you have set aside as donatable money, are you going to give that to UCF or is that going to go to an NIL fund, right? I think that's where you're going to run into challenges that if the, if the coffers are pretty thin as is, and now we're asking to kind of feed two sides of the house, I think that's going to be a challenge. But what it's going to take is somebody who's you know, willing to kind of take the charge, probably one of these large donors uh, that's out there that can really start something up. Um, I don't know if we have any million dollar guys out there, you know, Blake Bortles, Latavius Murray, if you want to throw a mill at Caleb Williams, you know, we wouldn't be mad at you, but I don't think that's realistic. Um, and I think it's going to take somebody to energize an effort, but it's going to take people who are willing to contribute in businesses and local fans and citizens um, to uh, to be able to uh, to make this work. And I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm confident that we've got that built up yet, but, you know, maybe a couple of portal losses and, uh, and and people will get motivated. Who knows? We need Bezos' ex-wife to donate another $50 million, right? <laughs> Didn't she do that? But there was no attachment of where that money could go we could use that for a quarterback and a linebacker if we wanted to right i like uh, robert's comment on screen robert enjoying poker tonight uh, <laughs> while watching the sons of ucf live at s morrow scott happy birthday scott uh, a shout out to him why is every quarterback entering the transfer portal rumored to be coming to ucf do we have a signal caller identity crisis i think it's an interesting turn of a phrase there i don't know how much night how much confidence night nation has in the current composition of that quarterback room going into spring camp. Yeah. Yeah. Fair trace, but it's also, you know, the, 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 the next thing is always the sexiest thing, right? It's always, you know, the next guy can come in the next person, the next, whatever. So I think that's just the way life works. You know, the next you always think is going to be better than what you have. Um, and, and certainly I think we need some depth in the QB room, you know, uh, do we have an identity crisis there? I, there are so many quarterback. Every day there's a quarterback hitting the portal. There's a quarterback changing schools. I, I think Gus has probably been uh, a little bit um, uh, slow playing this, uh, you know, to an extent. I think there's probably some guys he wanted he didn't get, and and now he has a chance to take his time um, and and find the right fit. And who knows if if that person's out there yet? You know, there could be somebody who drops in late to the portal, somebody who drops in after the summer. Um, so I guess he's going to play this and and see where it goes. I don't know if that means we have an identity crisis per se, but obviously I think we're going to, you know, continue to shop around the portal and see if we can bring in competition because ultimately that's going to help in the end. How are we all feeling after the 2016 season and the Cure Bowl about the quarterback room? I don't think anybody was thrilled about McKenzie, even McKenzie Milton coming back the next year. And we saw the development he made the next season, not saying Mikey Keene's going to make that jump, but he will improve. And I, I think you know, he's going to be given a shot to, to earn the job next year, going up against whoever's coming in on the portal. At Joe Powella, how does the number one linebacker in the country in 2021, that being Terrence Lewis, who didn't play last year because of the injury, go from five stars to three stars, according to 24-7, in just 12 months? <laughs> the analogy he gives is this the equivalent of driving a new car off the lot. It is funny how once they go to UCF, those star rankings change a bit. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously he didn't play last year. I, I don't. I mean, again, if you're if you're living your life based off the twenty four seven rankings, <laughs> I mean, there's probably better. Um, call BJ Taylor to get some positive thoughts. Mike, what's his number? Mike, what's the number? Do you have you have that in the speed dial? What's the what's the number? <laughs> Adam's got to give me his number. I don't know if BJ really wants him to do that. Wow, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> let's that's... check with BJ now. That, now that we know you don't have it, let's check before we yeah. give that out. Yeah, but this kid goes to Alabama. He goes up to six stars, I think, at least, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, at Nightfan94, do we have anyone on the roster that is going to step into that physical playmaker wide receiver role, or is that going to have to come from the portal? That was one of the keys that he felt was missing this season, even before injuries. Well, it's not going to be – do you know what uh, Booby's real name is, Mike? No. Jalen. Mm. Okay. Jalen. I don't imagine we're going to get a top five Jalen's list, but uh, – don't yeah. stop testing my, I mean, I don't, you don't, don't poke the bear, Trace. <laughs> what I enjoy though, is when, when there's like rapid fire, like there's three in the show, like you maybe you're anticipating one and then suddenly 
Top five nuts, you know, yeah. and, and things like <laughs> that. Get, I don't always have the sounders <laughs> ready for that. Um, to answer the question, here's a name I think um, I'm going to throw it out there. I have no idea. I'm going to go with Deontay Marks. Transfer from Florida, 6'2", 190. He's a big guy, physical receiver. He got hurt early against BCU. He's going to be my name uh, that uh, a cost like advisor apparently agrees with me that maybe is our big physical receiver next year. Give me Jordan Johnson. This You talk about five stars. This kid was a five-star at Notre Dame last year. Had some trouble maybe catching the ball, but, you know, get that figured out. We're talking about wide receivers, too. Mike. That's kind of, <laughs> kind of the key here. He gets that figured out. He's a big, big size guy too. I think he can be that guy. At uh, SoFla Nights with uh, Dylan, Dylan, Ga- what's Gabriel, right? Mike Gabriel. Mm. Is that was that uh, sock guy? I like how they refer to him as the sock salesman in the dungeon. <laughs> I see that a lot. The sock salesman with DG going to OU. How excited do you think uh, Traymon Morris Brash will be getting a chance to hit him? Remember during spring he said uh, there'd be one thing he'd wanted to do was hit DG, but he couldn't. Uh, and uh, so Flaw Knight says it's open season now. 2023 can't come soon enough. You know, it is interesting. Will we see the execution of this separation with Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC when UCF leaves the American? Could there be overlap there? Do we see Dylan Gabriel again at some point? Shameless plug. If you listen to episode 163 of the Sons of UCF, we interviewed Austin Camden, a uh, defensive lineman, and uh, we asked him some questions about Dylan. And, uh, I won't give away his answers, but if you read between the lines, I have a feeling there's a few guys who would like to take a couple hits on Mr. Gabriel. So if he's uh, if he's able to show up in the bounce house, whatever year that might be, and how the schedule works out, um, I don't know who will be left at that point. Um, I don't know if TMB would even be there at that point still, depending on where he's at. But uh, I suspect a few guys wouldn't mind taking a couple uh, taking a couple sacks on Dylan. Hey, things have a funny way of working themselves out. We never expected that we'd be playing the Gators at the end of this season, right? Who knows? Maybe next year, at the end of the year, we find ourselves against Oklahoma in a bowl game. We get a, a year earlier to get our shots at him. If not, maybe he's around for the 2023 game, if it happens. Hey, ESPN, if you're listening, that's the sort of narrative and storyline you like in your bowl games. You mentioned Austin. You've debuted a new feature this week, 2022, new feature from the Suns. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. So uh, we Yes, yes, to I set you yeah, up no, there. That, yeah, was, that, is, yeah. that was right there. Was yeah, sorry, I was, right I was texting BJ there, Taylor yeah. uh, for some inspiration on this one. Don't um, answer the following <laughs> number. Yeah. Block you? 954. No, so I, I think uh, we, we want to try something new. Uh, obviously, we do a lot of the, uh, the interviews uh, without video. So we, we got Austin on video and decided to record it. I think it adds a new element. You can see his facial expressions. You can kind of see, you know, how he's thinking about things too. So we'll try to get that lined up. Some of our guests, you know, they're not in a place where they have computer access and it's easier to do something else. So the more we can bring those to you, we'll give it a shot. Um, but overall, Austin was great to talk to. Again, not a household name, probably not a name that you are, are all familiar with unless you follow this team like super, super closely. But, uh, you know, he, he talked about being a walk-on, being the life part of the program. He, he was there literally since 17. So we see all three staffs. Uh, he, he brought some great insight and uh, I think it's a fun conversation. So check it out. It's either on YouTube. You can just see the, the standalone video interview or wherever you get your podcast, episode 163, The Sons of UCF. You can hear uh, more from Austin Camden. I really like that interview because he's a guy that you wouldn't typically see post-game, preseason media day, and between COVID uh, under Heupel in the last year and Coach Malzahn, the rules have changed about media access and who comes out. Uh, So that's not the kind of guy that you would see, but he was really interesting, uh, and it was an easy interview to listen to. You learned a great deal about him, but also... uh, what He played on 5-0 against the Cows, right? Not too many people can do that. No. He might Over be the, the years, only doing, one, yeah. Yeah. Doing these interviews the last few years, we've interviewed all types of guys, big-time stars, big recruits, a lot of backup guys. Sometimes it's the guys you don't really know too much about that bring the best stuff in the interview. And kids like him wanted to be here for five years, not even on scholarship. You know how the love he has for UCF. So I had a great time doing the interview. And I like being able to see his face, too, while we're doing it. Yeah, that's an added bonus for me every week. That's why I tune in, because I, I want to see you, Mike. That's why everyone's why you see me glance down just so I can appreciate your hair. Um, so I, I want to thank BJ Taylor for being here. Uh, and again, check out his Twitter handle and skills training. And uh, hopefully BJ will be back with us throughout the season to, to recap games. Remember, no game Saturday. Men's basketball is supposed to be home with Tulsa, but Tulsa's got COVID issues. So a whole week off to digest this one before Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers come to town next Wednesday. 
for that one. And uh, thanks to Nick Patty for talking quarterbacks. Uh, you know, before we know it, spring camp will be here, but we're going to go position by position. We're going to talk about the running backs. Got a big boost. So uh, the, the returning guys, maybe there's some more uh, in that mix. And again, remember, Hula Bowl coming up January 15th, hulabowl.com to purchase tickets. But we've got those 10 pair of tickets. I've seen some messages have already come into me. Uh, Adam, one more time, remind folks what they need to do to, uh, to get those tickets. YouTube channel, Sons of UCF YouTube. Go to that. Hit the subscribe button. Take a photograph of that subscription. Send it over to Trace. And, uh, and maybe if you're the first 10 or so in his inbox, if he's very, very nice, he might, uh, he might just give you some free tickets to the Hula Bowl. And while you're there, check out the interview with Austin Camden. It is well worth your time. Adam, you're going to that game, right? I will be there, yeah. We're uh, bringing the family. Excited to, to go. Mackenzie's last ride in the bounce house. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be the same. He won't play the whole game. But you know, I can't wait for that moment to see him step on the field. I'm sure it's going to be littered of, of 10 jerseys uh, all over the place. So I think it'll be a cool moment um, and one that uh, uh, hopefully will be memorable. So I can't wait to be there. Don't forget your lays, right? Everybody's going to get laid that night. <laughs> that's the perfect way to end the show and that's why you returned out of the portal that's why you're not with the sons of oklahoma because of content like that that you can only find here on the sons of ucf uh for adam and mike i'm trace trolko go knights charge on on we gotta practice that mike sports social podcast network Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.